Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome again to Fresh Vision Church here in El Paso, Texas. Um, for those of you watching, listening, thank you for joining us. Um, I hope that you're blessed after today's message. If you're hearing this or watching this later later on, um, again, uh, we hope that you're blessed after hearing it. And please feel feel free to share it um, to uh, to your friends, neighbors, uh, family members. Uh, press the like button, share it, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, we would definitely want the word to go out there um, as as widely as possible. Um, this message of uh, Jesus Christ, this message that we that we're preaching, that this church is definitely all about, is important. It's necessary. And especially in this time of day, as um, the day of the Lord draws nearer and nearer, and it could happen at any moment, and in a twinkling of an eye, um, we could be face to face with the Lord, with our new resurrected bodies and our new, our new in our new home. So, um, so again, this message is is important. All these messages are important. So, please feel free to share them if you have any. Um, comments or questions, leave them in the um, in those sections, in those areas, uh, in Facebook and YouTube, and um, also you can leave us a message on our Twitter and Instagram uh, social media pages. Um, just uh, I just want to make a few announcements here. Um, uh, we are going through some changes. I, I just give you a quick preview. This is the last week that will be uh, known as Fresh Vision Church. Next week will be known as Fresh Vision Calvary Chapel. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and with that, too, um, that we wanted to coincide with our fifth year anniversary as a church. That's also going to be coming up um, next week and also Father's Day. So, again, it's going to be a big week next week, uh, next Sunday. So something to keep in mind as you're mentioning the church, and I'll get more into details about that next week, uh, you know, and I'll be delivering a special message uh, on that day. Also, uh, next week, um, we're going to have a kind of a celebration afterwards, a time of fellowship and celebration. So feel free to invite a friend, a family member. That's a, I think next week will be a great time to to introduce them to what's happening here, to introduce them to this church. So we've been praying for that for a very long time, and it's it's finally arrived. Um, a few other announcements. We have a women's Bible study here on Saturday mornings at uh, 11 o'clock. Men's are going to have, are having a men's Bible study here Wednesday nights at 6.30. If you want to be part of that, again, let us know. Um, contact, uh, contact me, contact the church, and we'll give you more information. If the Lord has put in your heart to give, um, you can do that. There's links on our social media pages. If you have an agape box in the back, um, no obligation. Um, you know, it's it's between you and the Lord. We definitely want you to give out of the joy of your heart. If you have any prayer requests, we have those pink cards in the back. Feel free to fill those out. Put those in the box as well, and we'll be praying for you. Um, yeah, no, that's. I think that's it for announcements. While we transition, again, if you haven't said hi to somebody, if you want to get some water uh, and all that, uh, please feel free to do that. Morning. Uh, I hope everybody is doing well. 
And once again, welcome to uh, Fresh Vision Church. And as you know, Pastor Angel said, uh, we have some exciting things coming up in the next uh, several weeks, several years, God willing. Uh, so a lot to look forward to uh, here at uh, Fresh Vision Church. Uh, this morning, I will be covering uh, Psalm 73. And um, the title of the message today, The Destiny of the Wicked. The Destiny of the Wicked. So before we actually get into the study together, uh, let's open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the word, and then we'll, uh, we'll be blessed by the Lord this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this time, for this privilege, for this opportunity to come here and to worship you, to be here in your midst. And this morning, we just pray that you would speak to us through your word. Fill us, fill this place with the power and the person of your Holy Spirit, Lord that uh, your word would change us, it would shape us, it would help us to look more like your son, Jesus. We pray that you would just minister to us, help us to just see you, Lord, through your word, and have the desire, Lord, to draw closer to you and to be more like you. We pray for those that are sick in body this morning. Lord, we, we pray that you would uh, just give them um, rest, heal them. And we pray for those that were not able to make it this morning as well, Lord God. We pray that they're doing okay, and we lift up every need to you that's on our hearts this morning as well that our focus would be solely on you. We thank you so much for this morning and for this time. All these things we ask in your precious son's name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last week, you know, we had the opportunity to go through Psalm 51. And there, of course, we talked about King David and his prayer for forgiveness after he had been confronted by the prophet Nathan because of his sinful act uh, with Bathsheba. And of course, last week, we talked about the fact that throughout the Psalms, you know, David was typically asking the Lord for uh, justice. But in the case of Psalm 51, he was asking the Lord for his mercy. And when you think about the Psalms, you think about him, you read them, you know, you see there that there's experiences, there's circumstances that the psalmists or the individuals that wrote the Psalm, how they were inspired to write these depending on that particular time they were in their life. And it expressed their feelings, it expressed their emotions, whatever it is that they were going through. And when you think about the Psalms, right, you have this collection of Jewish songbooks divided into five books there. You know, each one of those Psalms, led by the Lord, of course, some of them in the form of worship unto the Lord, some of them crying out to the Lord, asking for mercy, asking for justice. All of those things that we experience. And we know what that's like because we all go through different seasons in our own lives. And uh, we can relate to a lot of these psalms as we read through them. But this morning, as we focus in here on Psalm 73, and hopefully you remember from last week, um, I closed with verses 25 and 26 from this specific psalm here. And remember, in this psalm, the psalmist Asaph, he was broken and humbled before the Lord. And if you look at 1 Chronicles chapter 15, there in verse 16, it expresses to us there that Asaph was a Levite that served as a musician and worship leader at the sanctuary during David's reign. And it's interesting what happens to Asaph, and he expresses that here in this particular psalm. Uh, Asaph found himself in a position in life where he was almost stumbling in his faith. He was losing his identity in the Lord. And because he thought the wicked were prospering, um, 
after he is completely broken and humbled, he realizes how dumb he had been. And everything that he really needs is in the Lord. And as we go through the psalm, there's probably going to be moments in there where we can relate to Asaph, where we waste a lot of time making these assumptions, but we don't recognize everything that we have in the Lord. And he is all that we need. And remember here, just like David last week, every season we go through, the Lord is there with us. We are not the ones that turn our back on the, no, actually, we're the ones that turn our back on the Lord. He's not the one who turns his back on us. Because when we are faithless, he continues uh, to be faithful. So let me go ahead and read the text, and then we'll look at the the text verse by verse uh, this morning. So once again, Psalm 73, Psalm of Asaph. Here it says, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die, and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten um, oppression. They set their mouths against heaven, and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, how can God know? Does a Most High know everything? Look at them, the wicked. They are always at ease, and they increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. And did you put them in slippery places? You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end swept away by terrors, like one walking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you. Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, so I can tell all, so I can tell about all you do. Amen. So notice the first thing we see here is that Asaph opens with something that is, you know, one of the biggest fundamental truths about the Lord. The fact that God, the God he serves, the God we serve, that he is good. Verse 1 says, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. You see, Asaph was well aware 
of the covenant that the Lord had made with Israel, right? He had promised blessings out of obedience. And if you look at Leviticus chapter 26, Deuteronomy chapter 28 through chapter 30, it speaks of these very promises. But also notice that he says, um, God is indeed good to Israel. And then he says to the pure in heart. Now, what does this mean? And when you read that there to the pure in heart, it reminds me of the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. If you look there in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, uh, they're specifically in verse 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So when you think about an individual who is pure in heart, you think of somebody who likely has holy thoughts, no selfish motives, a clean conscience, totally committed uh, to the Lord. And you know, last week we talked about being broken to the will of God and being filled with the power and the person of his Holy Spirit, desiring to be more like God. Now, of course, every single day, because we're still in the flesh, we are going to fall short of God's glory. However, we always want to aim high, not aim low, right? We want to be more like God and less like ourselves. Even though we fail every day, that should be our aim. And then notice it says here that they shall see God. And when we're totally committed to God, the truth of the matter is we can experience him now. Not just when we see him face to face there in his kingdom. And sometimes we think we can't experience the Lord now. But we can, right? We talked about his word. We talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about um, prayer, right? Our communication with the Lord. We'll talk more about that in a little bit here. But also our fellowship with the body of Christ, right? We desperately uh, need one another. And when we engage in those resources that are available to us, we can experience the Lord now. Because being in his presence is a blessing, right? When we're in his word, when we're in fellowship, when we're in prayer. Um, however, I can't wait to see him face to face. And I think that's something that we can all uh, relate to. So what we can conclude from this first verse is God is good to those that are committed to him. And we certainly know that. And he blesses them now and he will continue to bless them uh, forever. And then notice here in verse 2 and uh, verse 3, it says, But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So it's interesting here because even though he starts off by saying, you know, God is good, there's a problem. And, you know, last week we talked about this a little bit. We even talked about this uh, at the men's study this week. But we have to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. And here what we see happening is jealousy, right? The enemy begins to reveal himself here. You see, Asaph became envious. He became jealous of the boastful. And then that jealousy turned into a lie. He thought that the boastful, these wicked people, were actually prospering. And then his faith became wobbly because of those thoughts. And that's exactly what Satan likes to do, right? He likes to mess with our minds. He likes to appeal to our senses, to our passions, to our desires. You know, he wants us to be jealous of the wicked and to believe that they are prospering. 
He wants us to be unstable in our faith. He wants us to be isolated, independent of God, right? That's like the most dangerous place to be. And in applying this to our world today, I mean, you think about everything that's going on in our world. You know, it's an endless list. You think about the movie stars, you think about the TV stars, the hosts, the political leaders, you know, all the people that seem to be ruling the world right now. The people that maybe we follow on Twitter and Instagram and we follow their TikToks religiously. Um, Even maybe people in your own community, people in your own family that seem to have it all together and they seem to have it all. You know, wow, look at that wicked person. They have it all. They're rich. They have plenty of pleasure. They have absolutely no troubles. And we want to be more like them, right? And in turn, we begin to exaggerate. And then we start to compare ourselves to those individuals, kind of like a here. He's comparing himself to these wicked people that seem to be prospering. And that's the worst thing we can do is start comparing ourselves to other people. Even a brother and a sister in Christ. We don't ever want to compare ourselves to another individual, even a brother or sister in Christ. If you want to compare yourself to anybody, compare yourself to Jesus Christ. The only living example we have of God the Father. He is the one we want to look more like in character. So it's a trap, what we see happening here with us off. And, you know, we've all been there before. You start comparing yourself. You know, we we do it in school. We do it at work. We do it every day sometimes. And we're never going to be satisfied because we keep comparing ourselves to individuals when we should be comparing ourselves to the Lord. So what's happening here is Asaph is starting to paint this false picture in his mind. And the enemy loves this. He loves when we do this, right? He places these individuals, these wicked people, in a greater position than they actually are. And if you look here in verses 4 through 9, this is the exact picture that he starts to paint. Um, Verse four and five, he makes them sound like they are superhuman, these wicked people. It says, they have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well-fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. So here in his mind, these individuals that he's becoming jealous of and he thinks that they're prospering You know, he thinks in his mind that there's no pain in their death. They're very strong. Um, They're trouble-free. They seem to have everything going for them, going their way, right? They don't suffer. I suffer every day, right? Their bodies are healthy and sleek. You know, I have acne. I'm ugly, right? Like, he's thinking these things. And, you know, they escape all the tragedies that I face every single day. And what we see happening here are these, you know, the repercussions of comparing himself uh, to these individuals. And then in verse six and seven, he continues there. This is the picture he's painting in his mind. He talks about their character now. So he says, therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts wild. So notice here, you know, how arrogant these people are. They're so full of themselves. They're, they are proud, right? And their pride, they wear it like a necklace is what he says here. You know, they have everything that they could ever want. And look at me, I have to work, right? You, you think about that in your life. I think we've done this before. Like, look at me, now I have, I have to work to pay my bills and buy this ugly car. And look at these wicked people. They don't have to 
lift a finger and they have, you know, a $70,000 SUV and, and look at me, I have to work hard. And we have to be careful. We can't compare ourselves, right? This is where the enemy starts to mess uh, with our minds. Uh, verses 8 and 9 continues to talk about their character. He says they mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Okay, so what do we see here is you think about these people. They belittle other people. They believe others are less than they are. They treat them like dirt, literally. You know, they see their lives as being so much more important than maybe your life and the lives of other people around them, right? Their speech, right, they exalt themselves. And of course, we know that the Lord exalts the humble, right, not the prideful. They speak against heaven, right? So using all that goes against the nature of God, right? Even the Lord himself becomes a target of their wickedness. Their tongue walks through the earth, right, is what he says here. Um, their tongue struts to the earth, rather, right? So get out of my way, right? Here I come throughout the earth there. So their pride, their malicious attacks, right? Their um, arrogant, threaten, you know, they threaten oppression. All these things, this is what defines them. And this is actually what um, Asaf believes is better for him than his actual walk with the Lord. And we'll see this as he continues reading here. Um, as he continues writing here and as we read, it says there in verses 10 through 12, it says, therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at them, the wicked. They are always at ease, and they increase um, their wealth. So what we see here is followers of these people, they find it easy to bow down to these wicked people, regardless of what comes out of their mouths, regardless of the faults that consume their lives. They are completely deceived, and these people are just drinking up everything that is coming out of their mouths, everything that is coming out of their lives. Even people that are not necessarily engaging in wickedness, right, are deceived. We see this happening with Asaf. He began even to become envious of these wicked people. And, you know, wicked people have no interest in God. They don't think that he knows anything that's going on, right? People often think that God's over here when actually he's all around us. Where is your God now, right? Sometimes they say things like that. People don't want to hear about repentance and surrender. They just want to live it up because repentance and surrender is uncomfortable. It requires a change in your life. And these are things that these wicked people don't want to hear. And then notice here in that last verse, he says, they are always at ease and they increase um, their wealth. So, you know, this last verse tells us here that their outward, you know, what their outward appearance looks like and this is something that really bothers us off. And I think it actually bothers us as well when we're kind of in that mindset, right? But we have to understand that if we don't know God, that is, we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there will always be a void in our lives. Um, we're never going to be satisfied. I remember that gift of salvation is a gift that we just simply have to receive because it's freely given to us, right? We think of that gospel message, number one, that Jesus died for our sins. Number two, that Jesus was buried. Number three, that Jesus rose from the dead three days later, right? We put our faith in that message. 
we recognize we are sinners as an element of repentance in our life. That is what makes us righteous in the sight of God. That is what's going to fill those voids in our lives that all these wicked people are filling with other things and that we envy because those are the things in the flesh that our, our eyes and our minds and our hearts lust over in times of weakness. But then notice in verse 13, and this is a heavy verse, okay? He says here, Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? So it's interesting here because what we see is this progression in Asaph's thoughts in his life. He was first envious. He was jealous of the boastful, which led to a lie that the wicked were prospering, which then led to instability. He became unstable in his faith. He began to question and lose his identity in the Lord. You know, why? Why am I washing my hands in innocence here for nothing, right? It'd be like me saying, you know, why am I wasting my time following Jesus Christ when all these people around me who don't even know the Lord are prospering and I'm not prospering, right? And that's what the enemy likes us to do. He plays those games uh, with our minds. And we have to be careful, once again, we don't want to be ignorant concerning um, the tactics of the enemy. Remember, John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what the enemy does. And this is what he's trying to do here um, with Asaph. This is exactly where Satan wants Asaph to be. Isolated, questioning his relationship with the Lord, seeking to be independent of God which is a very dangerous place to be. And, you know, Asaph here, you know, why am I wasting my time seeking the Lord, yet I'm not prospering like these wicked people? And, you know, thinking about this, it kind of reminded me of the book of Job, right? If you remember there in that first chapter in the book of Job, you know, the enemy was having this conversation with the Lord, right? And the enemy, remember, he told the Lord that Job only feared him and and um, honored him because of this hedge of protection that was around him and his family, and that he was greatly blessed. And of course, if you remember, um, the enemy tells the Lord, you know, if you were to touch everything in his life, he would surely curse you to your face. And of course, the Lord gives the enemy permission, right, to touch Job's life. And really what the enemy was suggesting here is that Job perhaps only feared the Lord and was obedient to him, for the purposes of seeing what he could get from the Lord. Um, and when you think about Asaph here, you know, he says that he cleansed his heart in vain, but wasn't prospering like the wicked people. And, you know, for me, this shows a man that is so confused and so shaken in his faith that it, it seems like he's only following the Lord for the purposes of seeing what he can get from the Lord. And what we're seeing here is that he desires to be blessed, not blessed, but he desires to, to get the things that the wicked people are, are getting here, um, as he mentions in these uh, previous verses. So Asaph is in a really bad place right now. He's questioning his relationship, his walk with the Lord. He's losing his identity in the Lord. He's totally confused. And I think we can all relate to this in some sense, maybe seasons that we've gone through in life where, you know, we've been at this place. We're so overtaken by our circumstance that we start to lose our identity almost in the Lord. We start to be very shaken up in our walk. And we wonder, you know, why am I even praying anymore? Why am I even going to church anymore? I'm going through all of this and nothing's changing for me. 
I see the world around me and everybody has it together. Yet I'm coming to the Lord and my life doesn't change. But we have to understand that the Lord uses broken and humbled people for his purpose. And everything that happens in our lives is for a purpose and it's very important. And we just have to get through it in Christ Jesus. And I know this is easier to do than to actually say, because I've been there many, many times. But we don't want to be shaken up in our walk, in our relationship with the Lord, like we see here um, with a soft. And if you look here in verses 14 through 16, he's so deceived that it starts to impact his life. He says, For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. So the question here is, why do the wicked prosper, but why don't I? Okay. And this was actually messing with him so much that it was keeping him up at night. He was so deceived by this idea that the wicked are prospering, and he wasn't prospering, that it started to mess with his entire being. And we talked a little bit about this last week in the life of David, that sinful act that he had engaged in, how it began to consume him. And this is what we see here happening with Asaph. And once again, we've all been there before, where we allow those circumstances to consume us and overtake us. And at that point, we're no longer much use to the Lord because we're questioning where we're at in our walk and we're questioning this, we're questioning that instead of being obedient to what's happening in our lives. And as he tried to understand this, it became more and more painful um, for him. And Asaph keeps um, himself from sharing this with others. Notice he says that here. He says, if I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people, right? And um, this is interesting here that he, that he says this. And when you think about this, um, he, he kept himself from sharing this with other people, you know, sharing or promoting this injustice that he was facing in his life. And I was thinking about this in our lives as believers. And, you know, here we have this individual who has turned his back on the Lord, you know, he's about to do this. And um, what could that possibly do to people that were looking to him for their own walk? And you think about that, it's kind of a terrifying thought. You know, as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, people are always watching us. There are people that are waiting for us to mess up. But then there's also people who are watching us because they're desiring to grow in their spiritual maturity. And how bad would it be for us here to be so unstable in our walk that we would have an impact on those people that are watching us in their walk? And I think of that in terms of the leadership here. I think of that as just all of us in general, as we're serving the Lord and serving one another. And when I am in a moment of weakness or temptation or, you know, just in a situation similar to this, you know, it, you know, we talked about this, we've talked about this before, like you see people in your mind, people that you love. And, and I, I believe that all the leaders can agree here that we see you guys when we're in these types of moments. And that's what gets us through it, because we know that we have to live above reproach and get through this situation because we're leading you guys and we don't want you to stumble. We don't want to be that stumbling block because of a bad example that we are, that we can be rather. And that's why we need to desperately pray for our leaders. We need to desperately pray for one another, 
um, we need each other, right? We, we talked about this last week. We've talked about this before. We can't do this alone. We need one another. We don't want to be a stumbling block to each other as well. And what's happening with Asaf here is he is in a pretty bad situation, right? He's questioning his faith. And um, thankfully, he hasn't really shared this situation with those around him because it could cause others to stumble. Um, but notice as we move into verse 17, there is kind of like this aha moment for Asaf, this kind of awakening for him. And, you know, a moment where he finally becomes broken and humble enough where he can turn back to the Lord. In verse 17, it says, Until I entered God's sanctuary, then I understood their destiny. Okay, so here you have Asaf. He's perplexed by all these things that he is thinking about in his mind, this, this false picture that he's painting in his mind of these wicked people. But then he goes into the sanctuary of God, okay, to spend time with the Lord. And when you think about going into the sanctuary of God, you know, don't just think about coming in this room, right, in the sanctuary of Fresh Vision Church. Because remember, the Lord is completely accessible to us in many different ways, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but think of this, you know, the Lord is always available to us to solidify our walk, to solidify our relationship with Him. And I think about this, we have His Word, right? We talk about the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 tells us, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. All His promises, all the things He has done, and all the things He has yet to do, they're in His Word. It's a reflection of who He is. It's the mirror of God's Word. You often hear it uh, called that. It's also mentioned that way. Um, it paints this picture of who we want to look like in character, which is Jesus, right? The only living example we have of God the Father. We also have the power in the person of the Holy Spirit, right? The helper, John 14, 26, that is promised to us all. And we talked about this last week as well. Um, the Holy Spirit will never leave us, right? The relationship we have with the Holy Spirit is different now than it was in the Old Testament because of the finished work on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. John chapter 7 speaks of this. And remember, when you think about Jesus, when he was filled by the Holy Spirit and led into the wilderness uh, for 40 days, and he faced that season of temptation, right, those 40 days, um, by the enemy, he was able to escape the tactics of the enemy and make his way to Galilee. Of course, because of the power in the person of the Holy Spirit, he also used scripture there. And of course, because he was God, right, in the form of a man. He's not like us in that sense, but he can relate to us in terms of the temptation. Um, and that same spirit that was in Jesus then is the same spirit that lives in you and that lives in me. So we have complete access to the Lord in that sense through the Holy Spirit. And remember, we leak the Holy Spirit, and we want to be filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And we have the ability to continuously ask the Lord to fill us afresh um, with the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, we have prayer, which is our communication with the Lord, right? Our dependence on the Father. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing, right? And we can pray from anywhere at any time. Um, you know, there's no formal setting that needs to take place um, to talk to God. He hears us, even the things we can't even put into words that are in our hearts. You know, the Word of God tells us 
that Jesus intercedes for us in those situations. And, um, and you know, I was thinking about prayer this week because, I don't know if you heard on the news, but apparently uh, somebody spent, I think it was like 20 or 30 seconds in the mouth of a well this week, a fisherman, I think it was. And it reminded me of Jonah. And you could, you could imagine Jonah there in the belly of that large fish praying to the Lord. And I bet that guy who was in the mouth of that well who survived was probably praying to the Lord. So you can do it from anywhere, right? We can pray from our cars, from our, you know, anywhere. There's no excuse not to pray. And then lastly, of course, we have fellowship, right? With other believers, a time of encouragement. You know, we talked a little bit about this last week, you know, that we desperately, we need each other. We need each other to run this race uh, with endurance. 2 Corinthians 1.4 we and others can use the same comfort that the Lord has provided for them in difficulty to comfort others in similar situations. So what we see here, once again, is we have the Word of God, we have the power in the person of the Holy Spirit, we have prayer, and we have fellowship. All four of those are areas where we can literally step into the sanctuary of God, and He can speak to us. And just like a soft, you know, when he went into the sanctuary of God, he finally understood the destiny or the end of the wicked. He got an answer to his question. He got a solution to his problem, and we'll read about that in just a second here. And we can all relate to this, right? If we just spend some time with the Lord in his word and prayer, um, he will always have an answer to our solution. He will always have a solution to our problem. And um, it may not be the one we want. It may not be the one we want to hear, but that is certainly the best one for us because the safest place to be is in God's perfect will. So notice in verse 18, actually verses 18 through 20, uh, here it's made clear to him what their end is. It says, Indeed you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors, like one waking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. Uh, so notice here that Asaf recognizes that these people were truly in slippery places. And um, I was thinking about this because it reminded me of, if you guys remember on Valentine's Day this year, which was actually a Sunday, we had that snowstorm move in, which is pretty rare for, for West Texas. And I remember the sidewalks and the streets were extremely slippery because of that layer of ice and the snow on top of it. And when you think about that, if you fall in the street, you fall on the sidewalk, you're going to hit the ground pretty hard. And this is what we see here with these wicked people. They had absolutely nothing to fall back on. Going back to those movie stars, going back to those individuals, politicians, all these individuals that are wicked, right? And we think they're prospering, they're really on these slippery grounds. And when they fall, they fall very, very hard, right? There's no foundation for them to fall back on. Just like us, we have Jesus Christ as our foundation to fall back on. It's kind of like this big uh, cushion, right? Kind of like a big bean bag. You know, I know in our, in our youth group, we're talking about getting some of those in there. But I don't know, we might end up sleeping instead of actually learning the word of God. Um, but we'll still think about it. Uh, but we do have that cushion. We have the Lord to fall back on. And this is why a lot of these people end up in, you know, situations of destruction. They, they turn to drugs. They turn to suicide. They turn, um, you know, to, to alcohol. All these things, you know, 
lives that maybe we all used to live and maybe things we still struggle with, right? Because we're still in the flesh. I can tell you old sinful habits in my life, they still knock on the door, right? Those things, those things don't just go away. But now we have a hope and we have a future. We have a solution to combat those things, right? We can just go into the sanctuary of God and he can help us uh, get through that circumstance. So then a soft notice here, um, he says that the life of the ungodly is like a dream, right? It's like a fantasy, very short-lived dream, and something that the Lord, of course, despised in terms of their lifestyles and the way that they were living. In verse 21 and 22, he says, When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you. And I love this because as we saw last week with David, we see now with Asaph that he's at this place where he's completely broken and humbled before the Lord because of these thoughts, because of these behaviors that he was dealing with in his own mind. Asaph realizes how dumb he had been and how much time he had wasted. And all of us have had those moments, right, where we realize, wow, if I would have just let God into my mess, all of this could have been solved for me, right? And, um, you know, Asaph here, finally, after searching out the Lord, he finds a solution to his problem. But that's what the enemy does. He likes us to waste time, right? He wants us to waste time, not with the Lord, but engaging in all these other things, right? He doesn't want us redeeming the time because the days are evil, as Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, but rather he wants us wasting the time because the days are evil. Because if you're not growing in the Lord, then you're not growing in the Lord, right? It's either or. And we want to make sure that every moment we can possibly use in our life is a moment where it's helping us draw closer uh, to the Lord. And then notice that Asaph realizes what a beast he's been acting like, right? Like he calls himself an animal here. And he was questioning the Lord. He was questioning his faith. He was completely wobbly, unstable. Um, you know, but despite his behavior, going back to the very first verse, God is good. God is so good, right? Of course, that's one of those fundamental truths about the Lord. Um, he was still the Lord. He still belonged to the Lord, even though he was acting like this. And often we think, you know, when we turn our back on the Lord, that, you know, he's not going to receive us back or, you know, the Lord's also turned his back on us. But the truth of the matter is he's been there alongside us the entire time. Second Timothy 2.13, and I mentioned this at the beginning, when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And that's exactly what the Lord um, did here with Asaph, even though Asaph was completely perplexed and lost in his confusion. And in fact, he reminds us of this in verse 23 and in verse 24. There Asaph says, Yet I am always with you. Um, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me up in glory. And I love this because despite his ignorance and once again, we can all relate to that. You know, reading this, I'm reminded that God doesn't change. Asaph was the one who was changing, right? He, his mind was different. His heart was different. But remember, the author of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 8, tells us that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, not, God did not forsake him nor leave him, as he, you know, promises us in Deuteronomy chapter 31. And Asaph tells us, you know, God was and continues holding him. You, God, will continue to guide me with your counsel. And then he says here, um, and afterward, you will take me up 
in glory. So what we see there is the destiny of the believer. So ultimately, we will be in the presence of the Lord face to face. And I love that. I look forward to that. Verse 25 and 26, he says, Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion uh, forever. So notice that realizes just how blessed he is. He's wealthy beyond measure. He is truly prospering. And he has all that he needs, right? And he has this relationship with the Lord. You know, we have a relationship with the Lord. He desires nothing else on this earth that could potentially separate him from that relationship with the Lord. And it should be our heart every single day. And you think about this, you know, you know, let the wicked have what they have. But what we have is so much more valuable and priceless, right? He says, my heart and my flesh fail, um, but the Lord is my strength, right? He's absolutely everything that we need. And often we forget that, once again, we can experience the Lord now, and we can. We talked about this already. And we're rich beyond measure. And, you know, I always tell the young people, you know, your, your self-worth, what you are worth is found in Jesus Christ. You know, you guys are extremely valuable. All of us are extremely valuable in the eyes of the Lord. And sometimes we don't think that because we compare ourselves to other people and don't compare ourselves to Jesus Christ, the person we should be comparing ourselves to. So this is what Asaph finally realizes, right? That the wicked and the boastful, you know, their self-worth was found in these temporary things in this world, right? The things that we accumulate on this planet the things that are passing away. And what we see here in the next two verses is this contrast between the wicked and the believer. So in verse 27 and 28, it says, those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. And I love that ending there because now he wants to be used by the Lord. Um, and we'll talk about that in just a second here. Um, but notice he says that those that are far from God, they are going to perish, right? So there we see the destiny of the wicked, the unbeliever. They won't, unfortunately, spend eternity with the Lord. And this should actually be a burden to all of us in this room, right? The fact that there may be and there will be people that we know that are not going to spend eternity with the Lord. But remember, the Lord's desire is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I think we have to have that heart where even people we don't agree with, people that we want to argue with, people that we want in our flesh to be punished, all of those people deserve the opportunity to hear the love of God and the gospel message that you know we so gracefully received because people were praying for us that we would hear it, that we would receive it. So we have to continue praying for all of those that are lost. And maybe the Lord will lead us one of these days to go beyond these four walls and start reaching out to this community to do that. And um, it starts with a burden, right? And we'll continue to pray for those that are lost, that need the Lord. Um, and then notice here that all those idolizing these false gods or the things in this world, right, they put before him, all those things are going to perish, right? All these temporary things. Um, but Asaf understands, and we as believers as well um, should understand, right? 
that we're in this relationship with the Lord. And we serve a jealous God. We don't ever want to put anything before the Lord. And sometimes we do that, right? We idolize the temporary things. We idolize maybe our cars, our money, our jobs, our relationships before the Lord. And you and me, you and I, we are as close to God as we choose to be. We are as close to God as we choose to be. And I think that's something that should um, kind of be eye-opening to us because sometimes we're like, oh, well, you know, I wish I was close to the Lord, but this and that. But the truth of the matter is, it's you, right? It's not the Lord. It's not anything else. It's you. It's me. We are as close to God as we choose to be. Um, and notice here, as we discussed last week, um, Asaph is finally restored, right? He's come back to the Lord. He went into the sanctuary of God, just as we saw with David last week. Um, and then now, similarly to David, he now desires to be used by the Lord. He says here at the end, he says, so I can tell about all you do. And we too should be just as eager to declare all that God has done for us, right? And this is, you know, something we can call our testimony, you know, kind of our, our boastimony, if you want to call it that, you know, in hopes of winning other people for Christ, right? For Christ, doing the very thing that the Lord has commanded us to do, right? To go into the world, to go into the ends of the earth, to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of every nation, right? Romans 1.16 tells us that this is a message that leads um, to uh, salvation. So notice in closing this morning, um, we saw this progression here in the life of Asaph, right? We started off with Asaph's problem. Um, he begins with this fundamental truth regarding the Lord, that he is good, but there was a problem, right? He became envious. He became jealous of the boastful. The enemy started to mess with his mind, which just then led to a lie. He believed that the wicked were prospering, and then he began to question his faith. Right? He became unstable in his, uh, his walk, his relationship with the Lord. And then he began to question. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to be isolated, independent of God, questioning our identity in the Lord. You know, he says, you know, why am I, you think about it, it's like saying, why am I a Christian? Why am I living for the Lord? And yet I'm not prospering. And unfortunately, there are churches that teach this very thing, the so-called prosperity doctrine. Um, you know, if you're not prospering financially specifically, maybe you're not really in the faith or you don't have enough faith. Um, and we have to be careful with that because remember, the Lord uses broken and humbled people. We often have to go through the fire for this to happen. So Asaph became overwhelmed in pondering and thinking about that question. You know, why do the wicked prosper and why don't I? And all of us, I think, in this room maybe have been there before where we kind of ask ourselves the same question. You know, here I am living for the Lord, but yet all these people around me in the world that don't have anything to do with him are prospering. Look at them, you know. We've all been there before, and this is exactly what happened um, to Asaph. And then notice, the second thing we saw here is Asaph had this awakening. He kind of had this aha moment, right? And, you know, whatever you all are facing right now, remember that your solution, just like Asaph, can be found in the sanctuary of God. And we talked about the fact that we have complete access to the Lord now. When I think about going into the sanctuary of God, I think about getting into his word. I think about prayer. I think about uh, being filled afresh with the Holy Spirit being in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Those are the ways that we can tap in to our faith, into the Lord. Because right now we can't see him face to face, but we can still experience his presence through those avenues, which are completely accessible to us. God is so good. He's in our midst. And then notice also that he realizes, remember as we read there, that these individuals were truly in, um, in slippery places. They had no foundation. They had absolutely nothing um, to fall back on. And then the last thing he saw was his conclusion, right? And he was completely satisfied in the Lord, and he was rich beyond, measured, uh, beyond measure. And he realizes that it was good for him to draw nearer to the Lord, to get closer to the Lord. And that should be our conclusion as well, is let's just draw nearer to the Lord every single day. Everything is temporary in this life, right? And that's what we saw here with these wicked people. Christ is eternal. The eternal life begins now in Christ Jesus. And of course, one day when we stand before the Lord, our looks, our money, the cars we drive, every piece of material stuff that we have accumulated on this earth is going to be useless for us, right? What the Lord is going to look for is our faithfulness in Jesus Christ and what we did for him during the time that we were still on this earth. You know, Pastor Chuck used to always say, you have only one life that will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. And then I'll close with this from Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, and this is the first half of the verse. It says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And this is certainly a lesson that a soft learned, and that hopefully we've learned today as well, that we're truly rich beyond measure in our life in the Lord. And the eternal life begins now in Christ Jesus, and it lasts forever. Amen. So if you're joining us here in person or you're joining us via the live stream and um, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and maybe you know, you're struggling with all these issues in the world, maybe issues in your own life, and you're questioning. There's a lot of questions on your mind, on your heart. And you want to invite the Lord into your life to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, if you would just close your eyes, um, bow your head, and just repeat this prayer after me. Well, Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for loving me enough, Lord God, making yourself accessible to me. Jesus Christ, I want to declare you as my Lord and Savior this morning. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you were buried. I believe that you rose from the dead three days later. Lord, I recognize that I am a sinner, and I ask you to please forgive me of all my sins. Lord, I invite you to come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me into the image of you, Son, Jesus, and use me for your glory. All these things I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that this morning, we would do want to welcome you to the family of Christ. And um, if you want to get in contact with a home church or get plugged into a home church, or you have any questions about the next steps in your uh, walk with the Lord, we do want to give you that opportunity. Um, of course, if you're here in person, you can come up after the service. If you're watching via the live stream, you can leave a comment there in the comment section or you can reach out to the church and we can um, give you that information and minister to you um, however uh, you need.